Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. We continue our fall sermon series thinking about music. Why do we sing? What is it about music that's good for us and for our community? You're listening to Psalms, Hymns, and Songs from the Spirit by Reverend Christy Mannion. Last week in our One Another series, Peter preached on the virtue of forbearance, how it's a cartilage virtue that helps buffer our interactions with each other. And this week, we're opening the book of Ephesians to continue that One Another series. We're listening to God's word about songs and hymns and spiritual songs, um, which you've already heard some of this morning. So that's delightful. So let's open our Bibles to uh, Ephesians 5. 15 to 20, that's page 1819 in the Pew Bibles. They're in front of you. Paul writes this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. This summer, I started playing instruments with our two younger children. Our middle son is working on learning how to play the guitar, and our daughter is trying out a mini guitar called a lug that has only three strings and a pretty thin um, fretboard so that she can reach her fingers there. So Isaac concentrates on placing his fingers just right to try to get the chord going. Amelia strums one note, And I try to reactivate muscle memory from long, long ago when I took Suzuki violin. And together, we just scratch out this joyful, joyful noise. It has brought me more joy than than lots of other things in life over the last couple years. But it's a noise. I am so aware of my limits as a musician in this congregation. In a church as musically literate as we are, um, I feel underqualified to preach to you about songs and hymns and spiritual songs. We have professional musicians here and choir directors and music educators, but I know that together we share in the joy of making music for God. So here we go. Why do Christians sing? What does it do? Who's it for? In what settings, what circumstances should we sing? Is Paul telling us that after worship in here, we should all exit out into the narthex or the multipurpose room or call up a friend on the phone if we're live streaming and sing our conversations to each other? Well, Let's look at the flow of the thinking in these few verses to see what we can uncover. 
The first thing to notice is that Paul gives his readers five commands. Starts with an overarching command, watch how you live. So that's one. Do not be foolish, but understand the Lord's will. That is God's big will to reconcile everything and everyone to Christ. Do not be intoxicated with wine, but instead be filled by the Spirit. And being filled by the Spirit means that the Spirit pours out into believers' lives the presence and the character of Jesus himself. So the results of that filling, be filled, here's what you can expect when you're filled, coming up in the statements that follow. Typically, Paul says we could expect to see people who are filled by the Spirit of Jesus speaking to each other in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. We'd expect, them to see, we'd expect them to sing and make music from their hearts, that is, with integrity, with lives of integrity for the Lord. We'd expect them to give thanks for all things, including for each other, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in these few verses, singing isn't commanded, but it's a characteristic typifies the people of God that were singers. It's the kind of thing we just do. It's like breathing. From the time Moses and the people of God sang his praise on the shores of the Red Sea into this very morning, God's people have been singing their lives to him. Paul mentions three different kinds of songs there, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, or songs from the Spirit. What do each of those mean, and are those distinctions important? Well, psalms are pretty clear. They're songs from the ancient songbook of Israel, the psalms. So when you open the psalms, you're singing along with brothers and sisters from 3,000 years ago. Hymns are songs of praise. And songs from the Spirit are songs that speak directly about God in Jesus rather than something about another aspect of human life. So in the New Testament churches, those three weren't precisely defined musical forms, but they were an encompassing way to talk about God's songs. Worship that reflects the truth of who God is and how he engages this world. So when you come into worship and you open up your, your hymnal or when you sing from your living room at home, joining in, what is your default assumption about who the song is for? Well, I think most of us right off the bat without thinking too much about it would say, well, of course that song is for God. I'm bringing a sacrifice of praise into God's house. Of course it's for God. But our passage is surprising in another little phrase that's in there too. This phrase in Ephesians reminds us that when we offer our praise, not only do we address God, we also address each other. Even from a purely human-centered perspective, there's recognition that singing is for one another. A journalist named Spencer Kornhaber wrote about this in The Atlantic during uh, the early months of the coronavirus pandemic when people were feeling quite isolated and alone in their homes and music was connecting them at a distance. 
Kornhaber wrote, great bodies of research show that singing with other people releases pleasure hormones such as serotonin and oxytocin, the bonding hormone. It also forges bonds between participants and reduces feelings of loneliness. So music brings us together. I think we have that sense. And when our voices join with others, past and present, in the believing community, we express what we believe to be most true about God. We express what we believe to be most true about ourselves. And we do it in a way that both comes out of and reaches into deep places in our souls. Singing in worship is for everyone. Whether your voice is old or young or high or low or uh, highly trained or more suited to the confines of your own shower, you join in. Through our voices, the Spirit is orchestrating a soundtrack of the life of Christian faith. There's three things I want to notice together this morning about the role of psalms and hymns and songs, God songs, in our life. Number one, songs teach. Songs of faith orient us, turn us toward the truth of our life with God. One of the early church fathers named Basil the Great lived in the mid-fourth century in what is now Turkey. He worked with the church through the time that it was really trying to understand the two natures of Jesus. And about singing psalms, he says this, When the Holy Spirit saw that the human race was not led easily to virtue, he mixed sweetness of melody with doctrine so that inadvertently we would absorb the benefit of words through gentleness, through ease of hearing. Just as clever physicians frequently smear the cup with honey when, when giving some rather bitter medicine to drink. Then those who are children in actual age, as well as those young in behavior, while appearing only to sing, would in reality be training their souls. That's soul training of the most delightful kind. What songs from your early life of faith trained your soul, taught you about God, spoke to you about how he moves in this world? This is my father's world. Amazing grace. Jesus loves me. I remember a formative song from when I was in middle school. Probably nobody here knows it. We sang together, we believe in God and we all need Jesus because life's hard and it might not get easier. So sing to me now words that are true so everyone in this place will know. When we sing to God and to each other, lyrics and melodies combine to teach our souls to cast anchor in the deep, clear waters of truth about God. We sing the mighty power of God. We sing that he is good. We sing that he is loving and just. We sing of his grace greater than our sin. And before we know it, we have a pretty decent start for walking together with Jesus. 
Number two, so first, first, songs teach. Secondly, songs translate the love of God across cultures. So most Christian communities, including our own, have preferred worship styles, songs that really speak to us and an instrumentation that just fills our hearts full. These songs are our heart's native language. We feel at home there. Familiar words and rhythms and tunes allow us to focus in on God and on his character without being overly distracted by um, unfamiliar musical concerns. So songs that are known offer us crucial places of rest and truth. But when we sing, we also speak of what is most deeply true for Christians everywhere. Across the city this morning, across our country, Christians are singing songs with similar words in different styles. Churches and individual Christians who are very different from each other sing their shared beliefs. And those shared beliefs unify us. One Sunday morning, a long time ago, I had an assignment to visit a church that was very culturally different from my growing up. So I was invited to visit New Hope Missionary Baptist Church, which is just off of Division. It's a black congregation from a different denomination. And that morning routine and those songs were not familiar to me, but seeing how the gospel was sung and proclaimed there strengthened my faith. I tried to set my self-consciousness aside and follow the lead of these fellow believers in songs that were their heart's native language. And I was able to experience the gift of another expression of the breadth and depth and width and height of the family that God is forming in Jesus. So if you have an opportunity to visit a church setting that's unfamiliar, I hope you take it sometime. If you can learn some of the songs of churches in other parts of the world or songs in other languages even, do it. It deepens our delight for how God is forming that family across every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Number three, songs transform us. They give us new language to express ourselves before God. Especially when we sing psalms which we did a couple times already this morning. We sing back to God words that came originally from him, that he inspired. We sing words that are time-tested by the family of faith. We verbalize the prayers that Jesus prayed. And when we sing that way, the cries of our individual hearts all funnel together and they trickle into this pond of new language where together we express the cries of our hearts before God. Our individual hearts may not have the words or the audacity to speak our cares and desires and trust in the way that Asaph or Korah or David did. But we can pick up this language and we find ourselves speaking in prayers that we didn't know that we could pray. The concerns of our hearts come out of our voices and join in that long, long song of biblical faith. Sometimes our songs come with powerful emotions, too. 
John Calvin called the Psalms the anatomy of the soul, that all of those corners and crevices in our souls that we don't know are there and that we might not even want to see are reflected in the cries of the Psalms. Martin Luther wrote that everyone can find Psalms that fit their needs, as appropriate as if those words had been set there just for their sake. A word is felt to answer their need, and and the reader or prayer receives assurance that they're in the company of the saints. All that has happened to the saints is happening to them, too. All of the saints join in singing with them. The songs of faith sum up a multitude of our experiences, our questions, our fears, our hopes. They even can do it in shorthand. If you think of a song sung at a funeral for a loved one, you know that even a bar of that song that you sang that day, you hear it, you're transported right back to all of the things that you felt and the way that you were turning those cries toward the Lord. You can imagine the hopes of many people rising on the songs of children singing at Christmas time. You can witness the faith that flows from the lips of a person with advanced Alzheimer's, for whom many memories have faded away, but also for whom those songs remain. When we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, we tap into words and to harmonies that run that whole spectrum of human experience. They speak to us. And they change us. What songs have transformed you? I think most of songs that came at raw times in my life. Time after a miscarriage when some friends sent us a song of faith that encouraged our hearts. The time a friend called and spoke a psalm to my husband after he lost his job due to downsizing. When the Spirit connects our souls through the words of our siblings, we learn something of what Paul and Silas knew as they sang at midnight in the Philippian jail. We experience what Jesus and the disciples knew as they sang a hymn the night of Jesus' arrest. The songs still keep. The songs don't keep under their own power, of course. Paul reminds us we offer those songs, our praise, our thanks, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The songs keep as messengers, as pointers of the Holy Spirit to the reality of the one in whom all things do keep, do hold together. And so as beautiful and skillful as my brother Larry's playing is, and as wonderful as it is to hear you all sing this morning, we're so thankful for that. As powerful as it is to join our voices with others in the believing community, the songs alone don't hold us together. Only Jesus can do that. But he's pretty good at it. Only Jesus, the eternal word who sang creation into being, can hold us together, individually, communally. Only Jesus, the word made flesh, 
whose life and death and resurrection sang into being a renewed humanity can do that. Only the perfect community of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit can hold our relationships and our families and our churches together by his grace. Only Jesus, the reigning king, can sing a new creation into being. Truly, he is a God who transcends our praise. And yet he welcomes us to bring it just the same. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, our hearts are at rest in your presence, and we're delighted that you invite us to bring our cares and our sorrows and our joys to you through the words that you've given to us. Lord, help us to be a people whose lives sing of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.